There's a lot of things in this old world That just do not make sense Like why there's so few believers on the firing line While so many others sit the fence But if you want to know where the word of God stands And believe it wants to use your feet and hands It's time to take your faith out of the seats And into the streets And come along with me If you only look, then you will see On WCN-TV Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of WCN-TV. Today is Tuesday, June 28th, 2022. Um, I want to thank our, our good friend, uh, Leighton Howerton, for writing our theme song. Our producer, Jared. I'm not Jared. I don't know where Jared is. <laughs> our producer is Jonathan. So thank you, Jonathan. You're, you're really doing a great job. And of course, Dr. Mike Spalding for sitting in for me when I've been on the road and I've been on the road a lot in the last few weeks. So, and I'll be on the road next week, but I'll be back soon. Um, we had a last minute change up here on the program. We are originally going to have two excellent guests for you today, but um, Lieutenant Colonel Oliver North had an, a family emergency just literally 10 minutes ago. And um, so we will reschedule him as soon as possible. But we do have with us uh, Rusty Thomas, and I'm excited for Rusty. It's it's way past due for him to be on this program with us. Uh, Rusty, you, you probably, uh, I don't know if you're watching the intro there, you probably saw some scenes from when we were out on the streets with you and your team with OSA. So, um, but, uh, so I'm gonna kind of wing it here, but, because now my notes are all messed up. <laughs> that's all right that's live tv isn't it um we were going to be talking to colonel north about his new book called tragic consequences the price america's paying for rejecting god and how to reclaim our culture for christ i still want to mention and plug this book because it's it's a it's an excellent read and i do commend it to you um i'm going to just read a little bit of an introduction of of the book for you here before we bring Rusty on the show. Tragic Consequences was written for Americans who are concerned about the culture decline and all they see around them. People who watch the nightly news and ask themselves, what's happening to our country? It seems like we become a nation of people who are offended by everything but sin. What is happening to our country is simple to explain but sad to observe. We're seeing a culture of sin we're seeing what a culture of sin can do to a country. It's a culture of darkness and depravity, a culture lacking in moral restraint, and a culture where life has little value. When a nation rejects God and accepts sin, the lurid stories carried on nightly news programs are the inevitable result. Colonel North wrote this book with four goals in mind. First, to demonstrate conclusively the tragic consequences America's suffering as a nation because of leftist politicians, the courts, colleges, and universities, the entertainment industry, anti-God organizations, and the mainstream media are collaborating to embrace sin while driving God out of our daily lives. Second, to equip Christians concerned about the cultural darkness surrounding them to shine the light of Christ into that darkness. Third, to challenge churches throughout America to accept the role they must play in reversing the ongoing cultural decline in our country. And the fourth and final goal of his book, a goal encouraging the other three, is to call all Americans, believers and unbelievers alike, to repentance. Achieving this goal is essential, he says. 
we will have Colonel North back on the show here as soon as we can reschedule him. Um, but uh, I want to uh, welcome Rusty Thomas. Uh, those of you who may not be aware of him, at the age of 17, Rusty joined the Army, serving as an M16 machine gunner with the 101st Airborne Division. He graduated mag magna cum laude, however you say that word, <laughs> from Los Angeles Valley College, where he also received the prestigious Honor Chancellor's Award. Later, he spent six years as a traveling evangelist and a short-term missionary, and two years as a pastor in St. Petersburg, Florida. In 1994, he became the Assistant Director of Operation Rescue, National Operation Save America. He served in that position for 20 years, and in 2014, Rusty became the National Director. Rusty has a father's mantle and spreads a patriarchal vision to reclaim the masculine identity that's been neutered by the feminization of America. He and his wife, Kendra, homeschooled 13 children at the Thomas Nation's University of Righteousness. Rusty's ministries and battles have been covered by major media outlets over the years, and uh, you may be aware of that. He has 40 years of experience as a full-time minister, public speaker, and writer. He's written a lot of books. His latest is called Biblical Strategies to Abolish Abortion. And uh, that book can be found at covenantbooks.com and also at elijahmin.com, E-L-I-J-A-H-M-I-N.com. Rusty, how have you been? It's been a while. Yeah, bud. It's been a while. Kind of missing you, buddy. Good to see you again. Yeah, good to see you too. I, I think the last time I saw you was at one of our conferences when I gave you that that cowboy Wisconsin cheese hat. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> that went over really big with the family, buddy. <laughs> yeah, I bet they loved it. So, so. Sure. Well, you know, with the uh, the latest the latest thing with the uh, the overturn of of Roe, um, this you know this kind of all was meant today's show is all meant to go together flowing from what colonel north had to say into the situation with with what you've been dealing with for so many years um i i wanted you to kind of explain to us the doctrine of blood guiltiness and uh and the teaching that you've done so well on that um i've, I've heard you speak on it several times and it's it's a powerful powerful message well, brother, thank you uh, for the opportunity. You know, it, it's amazing, brother, that, um, you know, the Lord set me up. He he broke my heart. He opened my eyes to the plight of the preborn. And I was clueless, brother, uh, to all the issues surrounding the Holocaust. Like I said, I just had a broken heart and opened eyes and entered the field of battle. And uh, pretty much, uh, you know, got bombarded you know, by, you know, uh, the sodomites, the pro-aborts, Muslims, uh, the media, pastors, you know, uh, you name it, and just asking, you know, all the intense, hard questions. And uh, so when I sought the Lord, brother, it wasn't just to check off boxes, you know, just to prove I was a Christian. I, I had to seek him to survive and overcome, you know, the incredible pushback for touching, you know, Satan's crown jewel, which is child sacrifice, the shedding of innocent blood. And what's interesting about that, brother Rob, is like when when God puts his finger on you and his Holy Spirit convicts you and you begin to seek him and study the word of God, it's amazing how things you read in the Bible before didn't sort of resonate, didn't sort of connect the dots. And I can tell you this, brother, once I understood that this was the ancient evil, you know, abortion, you know, contained the ancient evil. The, this was literally the altars of Moloch and Baal being set up uh, in our nation. Then when I studied the scriptures, brother, literally from Genesis all the way through to the New Testament, I was shocked on how much this doctrine of blood guiltiness, I mean, just leapt from the pages. It's almost like everywhere I turned, 
you know, there was a reference to, you know, child sacrifice, the shedding of innocent blood. And honestly, brother, what truly like broke me was when a lot of people consider abortion, they pretty much see it like from the perspective of the baby, the plight of the baby. And, and honestly, that's originally, that's what convicted my heart uh, to get involved, to try to save their life. It, it, it was love for neighbor. But what sustained me in this battle all these years was my love for our Lord, brother. You know, he 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 dug me out of a deep pit, buddy, and uh, he set my feet upon a rock and, you know, gave me his new song to sing, a song of redemption. But uh, one of the things when I began to study the scripture was how this particular national sin, national abomination uh, impacted God himself. And uh and again, that, that is a perspective that a lot of the church does not understand. In other words, we look at it, how does it impact the, you know, the baby, the mother, the family, the church, the culture, our government? And it surely does have a tremendous impact, but many people do not understand how this personally impacts the God of the Bible. And one of the scriptures that just leaped out to me, brother, uh, is where the Lord talks about Israel giving their seed to Moloch. And basically, he warns Israel, if you don't put a stop to this, he says, my sanctuary is defiled and my holy name is profaned. And I got to tell you, brother, when I saw that, whoo, brother, that just busted me up to think that when the church sits back and, and allows Moloch to devour precious children made in the image of God, it has a dire consequence specifically upon the church of Jesus Christ. And that is his holy name is profane. The very name by which we are saved, that name becomes profaned. And then he says his sanctuary is defiled. And when you look at the condition of the American church, brother, we have got to connect the dots between abortion and its decimation of the American church. And uh, that's why true repentance, brother, is, is seriously required. And so this leads to the doctrine of blood guiltiness. And I believe you, you all have um, a little video that people can hear. This was a message I preached at the Herald Society. And for whatever reason, Rob, God's anointing and unction came upon this message. And they literally used this message as the narrative, the infrastructure for a documentary called Babies Are Murdered Here. And once that message and documentary hit, brother, I am just telling you, God powerfully used it, brother, to birth uh, abolitionist groups, to birth uh, pastors, and literally hundreds of churches uh, into this battle for the pre-born. So a lot of good kingdom fruit has come from this message, brother. When did you uh, when did you give that message? It was in Philadelphia. It was probably, gosh, you know how time goes by, brother. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. it's probably at least five, six, maybe seven years ago. I'm I'm not quite sure. Okay. Uh, I I just know, brother, that um, there were certain pastors and ministry heads that that God used this documentary to. To literally bust them up brother they just wept and they wept and they wept and they sobbed and they just knew they couldn't sit on the sideline anymore while their neighbor was being led to slaughter and uh i, I i'm just blown away honestly brother what god did with that message well it, it it blew me away also when i first heard you give that message um live at, at a conference I was at. But why don't we listen to that? That uh, It's about 10 minutes long, I think, and then we'll get back into the conversation with Rusty. 
Leviticus chapter 20, God made this amazing statement. When a nation gives their seed to Moloch, and make no mistake about it, brothers, those death camps, those abortion mills, these are modern-day altars of Moloch, altars of Baal. That's the biblical reality. And believe me, that spirit is alive and well. Because what was the lie of Moloch? The lie of Moloch to the children of Israel and to the pagan nations, you give that child to me and all will be well with you. Give the child to me and all is going to be well with you. Don't you hear it? You're too young, sweetheart. Think about your college. Think about your career. Give the child to me and all is going to be well with you. And our nation has bought into this spirit book, line, and sinker. Genesis chapter 4, verse 8. Now Cain talked with Abel his brother, and it came to pass that when they were in the field, that Cain rose up against Abel his brother and killed him. Brother killed brother. And the Lord said to Cain, where is Abel, your brother? He said, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? And how many know throughout church history, we've had to deal with that question? How many know throughout church history, the church had to deal with mighty tyrants and oppressors that targeted the weak and the vulnerable for destruction. And it's in those days and in those times we had to wrestle with that question. Am I my brother's keeper? And unfortunately, brothers and sisters, much of the time the church failed to answer that correctly. And let me tell you, in the days of genocide, in the days of a holocaust, the church's silence always enables the oppressors and always victimizes the weak. This is a haunting question. When you killed your brother, his blood what? Went into the ground. It doesn't say that he saw it. He did what? He heard it. He heard it. Now what does that tell you about the shedding of innocent blood? There's a voice, it's a voice, and it carries from the ground to the ears of a holy and just God. So we gotta understand when we shed innocent blood, there is a voice with a message that is pleading with God to judge the land, to judge the nation. This is, this is where the doctrine of blood guilt is first established in Scripture. And then you can go like to Genesis 9-6. Remember Noah coming off the ark? How many know Genesis 9-6 is the first mention of civil government? And what was God's purpose for Genesis 9-6 when Noah got off the ark? This is one of the first things that God said when Noah came off the ark. He said, if man sheds blood, what? By man, civil government, his blood shall be shed because man is made in the image of God. And the whole purpose for civil government was so that this world would not resort back to the preconditioned flood. You know, that part of our history where we grieved God so much, he was sorry that he even made us. God literally established civil government their sacred trust is to protect life and stop the shedding of innocent blood. And that's why Roe versus Wade ultimately is a violation against the state itself. You ever wonder why police officers are so angry at the abortion mills? Just like the rest of this nation, they're staggering under the weight of blood guilt. It violates the oath that they talk as ministers of God. They're supposed to be stopping this. And you don't got to tell them. 
their sacred trust has been violated. And so now the law protects those that are murdering children and what? They're penalizing those that are seeking to save their lives. Do you know how warped this is? But this is what Roe versus Wade has done even to the state itself. If you want to know what's happening to America right now, we are a nation right now in the midst of being dispossessed. In, in Acts chapter 5, verse 28, did we not strictly command you not to teach in this name? And look, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and what? And you intend to bring this man's blood on us. How many remember the great Pentecost message of Peter where 3,000 souls got saved and birthed into the kingdom? Did you ever study the text of what he preached? Do you know what Peter did during that text? You know, for every time that I've read that, I always thought, you know, the reason why they were so convicted is because this was the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and he, he was quoting messianic promises and boy, the power of the messianic promises, you know, coupled with the power of the Holy Spirit, no wonder they were convicted. No wonder they cried out, men and brethren, what do we do? Do you know what's missing from that? He also implied blood guiltiness to those Jews. You with wicked hands crucified the Lord of glory. You shed the blood of the just one. They were Jews. All these scriptures, I could have gave you tons of scriptures in the Old Testament about blood guilt. They knew the scriptures. They knew what it was implied by this. Yes, they were cut by the Holy Spirit. Yes, they were cut by the Messianic promises. But they were also in jeopardy of blood guilt. That was part of the reason why they said, Men and brethren, what can we do? How can we escape the penalty? We're in trouble. He was righteous. He was innocent. We put him to death. What do we do? Repent and believe the gospel. How many of you have ever seen blood guilt mixed with the gospel? Today in the church, pastors don't want to talk about abortion. They don't want to talk about child sacrifice. They don't want to talk about the shedding of innocent blood. You know why? Because in their minds, they actually believe it detracts from the gospel. Listen, without the doctrine of blood guilt, the urgency of the message misses the mark. You shed the blood of the just one. And most of them weren't even present. They didn't physically with their hands put the Lord on the cross. But they were consenting to it. That's what Jeremiah said in his day. He said, listen, I'm just, I'm, I'm just telling you what God told me to tell you. I'm in your hands. You do with me what you want. But be assured of this. You kill me. You're shedding innocent blood. It's going to come upon you. It's going to come upon the city and the inhabitants of the land. That's what Jeremiah said. Now, obviously, we would find those who are actually killing somebody culpable. What's this business of the city? What's this business of the inhabitants of the land? They didn't know we're going to kill Jeremiah. And how many know Israel eventually, because she did not repent, what happened to her? You remember all the denunciations of the Lord? towards Israel? This is Matthew 23, verses 34 and 35. Therefore, indeed, I send you prophets, wise men, and scribes. Some of them you will kill and crucify, and some of them you will scourge in your synagogues and persecute from city to city, that on you may come all the righteous blood shed on earth from the blood of righteous Abel, to the blood of Zechariah, the son of Berkiah, whom you murdered between the temple and the altar. Brethren, when we shed blood, it's a serious matter to the Almighty. I, I'm just telling you. 
And he expects every drop of that blood to be accounted for. And that's where we're in trouble. Because this is a national sin that's bringing national calamity upon us. And it affects us all, Christian and non-Christian alike. This is going to have great impact upon your children and upon your grandchildren. And I'm telling you, one of the reasons why I fight against this so much is I'm trying to give God a reason not to curse my children, not to judge them, not to destroy them. And I'm telling you, when you're fighting for the unborn, you better know one thing. You're fighting for your children. You're fighting for your grandchildren. You're fighting for your future. Because this is a serious matter to the Almighty. Um, as I was hearing that... Um... I wish I, I could find the video clip that I had from, I don't know, several years ago of our friend Flip Benham speaking to a city council. And I believe he's talking to the mayor and uh, warning her that the blood of the innocent baby shed in the womb in that city would be running in the streets through riots and shootings and other killings. We are in the most violent time in America right now. Um, and I believe we know why, don't we? Well, brother, again, uh, you know, God's word, you know, that's the foundation for our belief system. You know, it's our guidance. Uh, it's what we need, brother, to, to build a life that honors the Lord and uh, brings salvation and healing to our world. And so, you know, brother, the Bible tells us God is not mocked. You know, what men and nations sow, they shall surely reap. You know, and we have sowed, you know, domestic terrorism in the womb, and we have shed innocent blood. And, and so we're reaping that, brother. That's, that's why we're such a violent culture, brother, because violence begins. Uh, Hosea says bloodshed touches bloodshed. It breaks out, you know, Ezekiel warned, because you did not hate bloodshed, bloodshed will pursue you. And this was very, very serious, brother. That's why when you go through the whole doctrine of blood guiltiness, you know, I just touched on a few scriptures, but, you know, we had Cain, obviously, where God heard that blood and, uh, then we talked about Genesis chapter 9. It was the foundation for God ordaining civil government. But when you have Israel actually going into the land, Rob, uh, this was so serious to God that he literally set apart six cities scattered throughout Israel. They were called cities of refuge. And the very purpose of those cities was over this doctrine of blood guiltiness because not all killing is murder you know murder is you know with forethought and intent with malice amen mm -hmm. but there are there are killings that god does not consider murder and there's pretty much four of them you know somebody breaks into your house a thief if you use you know force to protect your house and that person dies that's not murder He's been killed, but it's not murder. You know, there's capital crime and capital punishment. That's killing, but it's not murder. You know, soldiers in a just war, that's killing, but it's not murder. And then there's, you know, the scriptures on accidental death, you know, where it gives the, uh, the guy out there with the ax and the ax handle flies off, hits the guy in the head, the guy dies. Well, the guy wasn't trying to kill that person. It was an accident. It was accidental death. And so cities of refuge were the places where all these cases could be tried to, to separate the difference between killing and murder. And, and God's warning when, when Israel was going into the land, he said, do not shed innocent blood. Because if you do shed innocent blood, the only way that's going to be atoned for is those that shed that blood, their blood be shed.
And that was why the cities of refuge. Now, I, I got to tell you, brother, I mean, just think about it from, you know, the Lord's perspective. How serious is this doctrine of blood guiltiness? You know, when you're creating a nation, brother, and all that goes in to establish a nation, brother, to set aside six cities to protect the nation from blood guiltiness, this is very serious in the heart and the mind of the Lord. And then you come to Psalm 106. And this is where really, brother, this impacts you and I and our families today. Because in Psalm 106, it talks about Israel mingling with the Gentiles, learning their ways and uh, how it grieved the heart of God. And one of the things that he says in Psalm 106 is that they sacrificed their sons and their daughters to demons. Uh, if you want to understand right now why the left is manifesting such hatred, uh, threatening and uh, promising like to burn down cities, uh, we, we must understand from a spiritual point of view, it is clear from the Bible that when, when a nation sacrifices their sons and daughters, this child sacrifice, the shedding of innocent blood, it nourishes the demonic realm because it says they sacrifice them unto demons. It always astonished me, Rob, when I got involved in this battle, I would go to the death camps and pretty much every one of them were guarded by sodomites, by homosexuals. Mm -hmm. For the life of me, mentally, I logically, it didn't compute. And, and so I would go to them, please explain this to me. And you know what I found, Rob? Sometimes the enemies of the Lord know this battle a whole lot better than we do. They know where they get their enrichment. They know where they're empowered. That is their synagogue, brother. And, and abortion is their bloody sacrifice. And so God says, when you sacrifice sons and daughters, you're doing it to demons and it pollutes and it defiles the land. Well, he goes on to say, and this is where there's political ramifications, brother. If, if, if the church wants to understand why we're under Marxism, under the Biden administration, why we're coming under oppression, why there is tyranny being established in the land, look no further to child sacrifice and the shedding of innocent blood. Because God says when we do this, he hates it and it angers him. And so what does the anger of the Lord look like in the real world? The scripture says, those that hate you will rule over you. You will be subject to unjust laws. And this is why our message has to be so clear, Brother Rob. No freedom for the preborn what's happening to our freedoms no justice for the pre-born why are we being subject to injustice no life for the pre-born what does that say about our future and our life it is directly connected brother rob and this is we we got we the church has to come to some understanding here brother that's why i say at the end of the message when you're fighting for the pre-born, you're not just fighting for them. You're fighting for your own children, your grandchildren. You're fighting for your future and for your hope. What's interesting too, brother, in, in that Psalm 106 passage, and it's right there, you can read it. This is after they had defiled themselves. This is after they committed child sacrifice. This is after they had sodomites in the temple. They have done all these this bloody idolatry, committed all this transgression against the Lord. Brother, and this is the need of the hour because the scripture says 
when he heard their cry. And Rob, I know we can't artificially produce that. I understand that. You know, it's like trying to artificially produce a revival. You can't do it. But the scripture says when he heard their cry, he remembered the covenant and he restored them, brothers. And, you know, he, he restored them back into the land. And so, brother, even though we have sinned a great sin and we have truly offended our holy God deeply, brother, you know, he still provides a way. You know, he provides that way of escape. And in Isaiah chapter one, when he's, I find this so compelling, brother, because Isaiah is the first prophetic book of all the prophets, the major and the minor prophets. He is the first official prophetic book in the Bible. And the very first chapter deals with a religious nation that is tolerating child sacrifice and the shedding of innocent blood. And I got to tell you, brother, I don't think that's a coincidence. Again, this points out how serious this is to our Lord. And so that's the first thing he is confronting Israel prophetically. And he was talking about them going through all their religious motions and their ceremonies and their feasts and their new moons and their Sabbaths. And he's saying, listen, you know, I'm boycotting this religious system. Yeah, I started it, but I'm boycotting it. I'm not approving of your meetings. You know, who, who told you to trample my courts? And, and this is where he gives this, this real somber warning. He says, when you make your many prayers, I'm not going to hear you. And when you lift your hands, I'm not going to see you. Why, God? Why, why, why would you boycott us? We're, we're going to church. We're, we're singing songs to Jesus. We're, we're preaching your word. We're doing what you told us to do. Yeah, but you got one problem. You live in a nation that's butchering my babies, made in my image, and your hands are full of blood. And so, brother, this, this, is, this, is, this is clearly troublesome to God. And so, again, he does provide a solution. He points out the problem. Obviously, he is convicting this religious nation. And we're so much like Israel in that guard. In that regard, Rob, we're a very religious nation. We got churches on every corner. We, we, we got Christian TV. We got Christian radio. I mean, we got Christian publishing houses. I mean, we, we're saturated with so-called Christianity. But we live in a nation, brother, that has murdered God's babies. We've shed innocent blood. And our nation is parading their sin like Sodom. And obviously, this offends our Lord deeply. So what does he say in his word? Wash yourselves. Make yourselves clean. Put away the evil of your doing before my eyes. Cease to do evil. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Rebuke the oppressor defend the fatherless, plead for the widow. And then that famous passage of scripture that a lot of people use for evangelism, but it's really not written as an evangelistic scripture. It's a prophetic scripture. And he says, come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. They shall be red like crimson. They shall be as wool. Now, brother, when I when I preach this, I ask the church if when you're thinking of the color of sin, what do we normally think of? And typically the response is black, something dark. But notice how the color he describes in this passage of scripture sins like scarlet, red like crimson 
And what it, God is pointing out here, brother Rob, is the national sin that was bringing national calamity on Israel, which is, of course, happening to us today here in America. And when you look at God's word, he's looking for a specific response to hear from heaven, forgive our sin, and bring healing to our land. And it's the three R's, brother. It is re rebuke, right? We got to rebuke the oppressor. Let me go. Can you go up a little bit here, brother? <clears throat> we First of all, the three R's are this. We have to repent. Okay. We As, as the church, as a people, we got to repent of this national sin that has brought national calamity upon us. We have to rebuke the re oppressors and we have to rescue and defend the fatherless. And brother, if God's people will humble themselves and take this serious and begin to apply our faith and live out our faith, to stand in the gap, to make up the hedge. We know, brother, we serve a God who watches over his word to perform it. It was very well said and very well put together, Rusty. Praise the Lord. You, you know, um, people are rejoicing. Some people are rejoicing over the uh, Supreme Court, uh, their latest decision, um, reversing Roe. I guess I'd like to know your thoughts on that, but it seems to me that um, nothing in the church, well, or what is what is passing for the church seems to be, there doesn't seem to be any repentance. Nothing has changed except the Supreme Court made another decision. Their hearts still have not changed toward this topic. Um, so we're now we're we're going to see Jane's revenge. We're going to see, you know, it, it's going to continue. The punishment is still going to continue on our country because we yeah. still don't get it as as well, the church. Brother, I so, um, I did write an article, brother. Uh, if people go to my my personal uh, Facebook page, they scroll down. Uh, it's not on my website, uh, Jonathan, but it is uh, on my Facebook page. I wrote an article called The Overturning of Roe. And, yeah, I, uh, I actually have it in my file. It'll be in our next issue of the newspaper. But Awesome, brother, because, so. you know, I knew when it, well, first of all, <laughs> I didn't think I would live long enough to actually see it. So I felt a little surreal, kind of pinching myself. Uh, uh, and 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 I knew, brother, with this passing of this ruling, there would be those that maybe have seen no significance in it, and then there would be those who would add more significance than what is actually warranted. And so I I, I purposely wrote this article to point out the true significance, and uh, sort of like where do we go from here. And so, yeah, why don't you give us an overview of that? And uh, before you do that, let me just ask if anybody in the audience has any questions for Rusty, any comments? We're down to about 15 minutes, so now's your chance. Okay, all right, so I guess not. We'll go ahead. So the significance, brother, is uh, the fact that the court, you know, kind of came into agreement with reality. Uh, we know all along abortion was never a constitutional right. Um, and even the left understood that, Rob. Uh, if you remember when Biden was running his campaign before he stole the election, he said, hey, if you elect me, I'm going to codify Roe into law. So even the leftists knew, brother, that Roe versus Wade was on very sort of sinking sand. 
legality that it was vulnerable to be overturned because you know you know first and foremost it, it violates the law of god and so therefore it's no law at all uh, but secondarily uh, according to the declaration and the constitution uh, courts cannot make law uh, that is not their jurisdiction that's not what they're ordained uh, that's in our congress and in our senate that's uh, you know in, in you know in the house and the senate so on every conceivable way biblically declaration of independence constitution uh it was never the law of the land it was always the lie of the land and unfortunately the enemy of our souls did a demonic snow job that uh, deceived both the church and the states to go along to get along and as a result of that how many millions of babies you know suffered and died no, as a result of this, I mean, it just, it's grievous, brother. It just, I, you know, it's so hard, brother, to think, to wrap your mind that, you know, the Supreme Court can give an opinion that one group of people now has the right to murder another group of people and our nation goes along with this? That's, that just, that hurts my brain, brother. And it just devastates my heart that our nation was in that much darkness, that loss, that we went along with this for 50 years. It boggles my mind. It, it, it truly does. And not one lesser magistrate, not one governor, not one legislative branch, House, Senate, not one sheriff looked at that decision and go, are you insane? There is no way that's happening under my jurisdiction. You know, Supreme Court, go pound sand. That's what we should have did all along, but we didn't. And so the significance, brother, is they've, they, they got it partially right. They didn't get it all the way right. And what I mean by that, they didn't demand the federal government uphold the 14th and the fifth amendment they didn't demand the federal government end the holocaust in the united states of america by by upholding the declaration of independence the right to life and the constitution where no person shall be deprived of life liberty or pro property without due process of law so they sort of went halfway there rob and they left it incomplete and so now they kicked it back to the states. Now, fortunately, for the last 10 years, OSA and a lot of abolitionist groups throughout America, that's where we've been concentrating our efforts for the last 10 years. And so in the Lord, brother, it just the timing of this is incredible. So at the same time that Roe, the, the Supreme Court kicks this decision back to the states, lo and behold that's where we have been working for the last 10 years and so it's coinciding brother it's being synchronized and what you're going to see brother rob it's sort of like what happened with the pandemic if you remember when it first hit i i sort of predicted that we would have uh, pockets of tyranny throughout america and we would have pockets of freedom and there would be a great migration that we see happening in our day. Well, this Supreme Court decision just kind of reinforced that movement in America. And so what we're going to be seeing, brother, in the days ahead, you know, trying to figure this out constitutionally, trying to figure out, you know, how each state handles this issue. But I think what we're going to see, brother, is we're going to have certain states that are gonna double down on this bloody tyranny and remain an oppressive Marxist state. And then you're gonna have states, brother, uh, depending on how far they go, uh, we're gonna have states, some of them have trigger laws and they're gonna sort of resort back to the pre-row statutes that were on the book. At that point, brother, our responsibility is to start with the states that are so-called pro-life, look at their, their, their state statute, 
and where it is weak, we got to strengthen it, brother, with abolitionist language. In other words, for God to completely forgive us of blood guiltiness, brother, we have to come into agreement on the nature of child sacrifice and the shedding of innocent blood. God views it as a crime. He calls it murder and it must be penalized by law. So our challenge moving forward, Rob, is to begin with the states that are favorable to life to make sure we put abortion back in the homicide code and that it is penalized by law. When that happens, God's demand for justice has been met and now he can cleanse, start to cleanse the land of blood guiltiness. And that is so critically important for our future and our hope, Brother Rob. Yeah, well, um, from what I've heard in the in the uh, news reports that I've gotten, um, all the uh, Planned Parenthood centers here in Wisconsin have um, ceased doing any abortions. Any all the all the abortion centers in Wisconsin have stopped. Um, I don't know that that to be true, but that's that's what they're reporting. They've done. Um, it seems seems odd to me that a few people can uh, can make a decision on a court and suddenly it just stops uh, but still the the people themselves have not repented so that's where i have a problem with all this but at least maybe this will give planned parenthood an opportunity to to uh do all of that uh non-abortion services that they claim they provide well, brother, and, and, and of course, they're involved in another great evil, brother, where they're raping the minds of our children and they're well, mutilating the next their thing, bodies. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Uh, they are involved in such tremendous, wicked evil, brother, at the expense of our tax dollars. It just boggles the mind. And so, yeah, we're in some ways, I'll be honest with you, Rob, with the overturning of the row, in some ways it's like almost like the battle is just beginning again mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. uh, like i said the supreme court didn't go far enough they should have they had the opportunity but they just kicked it back to the states so state by state bro we got to liberate our nation state by state yep yeah well you know it seems like the enemy is is doing everything it possibly can to destroy our children there they're always after the children, aren't they? And Absolutely, it's it's not right. just abortion, you know. No, no. We had two years of mass and death jabs and and uh, twisting their minds now with transgenderism, in every possible uh, opportunity they get, and grooming children, you know, by pedophiles and suicide rate i mean if the if the if the enemy can't get them in the womb they're going to yeah. get them as early as possible it they're always after the kids well in the issue brother the underlying issue is why right why um we know the enemy comes to kill steal and destroy but the church doesn't ask the underlying question why you know what does the enemy know that we don't know brother and you know jesus made this profound statement and it's so important to this battle brother if you remember when the parents were trying to bring the children for jesus to bless them the apostles basically said leave the master alone he's busy you know basically go to children's church you know mm -hmm. and the mm -hmm. bible says this upset the lord this angered him and he said allow the children to come to me for such is the kingdom of God. Now think about the ramifications of that, my brother. In God's divine mind, children equals the kingdom. What's the number one thing that's going to take the enemy on and take him down? What's the number one thing that's going to dispossess him in the earth? The gospel of the kingdom. And children play a massive, massive role in that victory you go to the book of malachi why marriage you know it's not just you know for companionship and it's not just for recreational sex 
the scripture tells us the whole purpose for marriage is God wants to produce a godly seed in the earth. And if you remember right at Genesis, brother, the first mention of the gospel, the first mention uh, of the Messiah, it, God declaring war against the enemy, saying, I'm going to put enmity between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed. Seed, genealogy, lineage, descendants, children. I mean, it's massive. And then from there, he taps Abraham. And what does he say? Through you and your seed, singular, Jesus Christ, I'm going to bless all the families of the earth all the nations of the earth so what does the enemy know that we have forgotten brother god loves babies he loves children and this anti-child mentality is not just in the world brother it's in the church we're afraid oh, of the big bad baby we're afraid and i'm telling you it's delusional it's massive deception and our mentality is we don't want to bring a child into this world because it's so bad. And God says, bring the child into the world because I want to change the world. I want to transform it. And we're so lost, brother. We have believed the lie of the evil one. And it's brought incredible devastation in the church and in our land and in the world, brother. And we have better get back to God's plan, brother. Remember what God promised Abraham? He said, look up. Look at the stars. Go to the seashore. If you could count then, then you can count your descendants. Children, seed, babies. I mean, we read that in the Bible, brother, and it's like we're glazed over. We, had, we have not connected the dots. We have not. And the enemy has taken severe advantage of that, brother. And we have been seriously led astray. And now we're living with the consequences. We see the fruit of this unbelief all around us, not just in the world, but in the church herself, brother. Yeah, well, it's it starts in the church, doesn't it? Always. Judgment Always. begins first in the house of God, brother. That's where it begins. We got to get it right. In we're fact, down to down to about two minutes. Tell us about your book. Well, yeah, this is uh, uh, biblical strategies to abolish abortion. I was telling you, brother, that uh, what's again, I'm sort of pinching myself in these days. Um, you know, when uh, we started this battle, both the church and the state considered us toxic. They wanted nothing to do with us. It was sort of like church and political suicide to be involved with Operation Rescue, Operation Save America. But in the last couple of years, brother, the Holy Spirit is moving. And so the, the two main offices that are ordering my book and distributing it are pastors and magistrates, brother. Uh -huh. So this book is going into the churches, to the pastors, and it's going into our civil government uh, with the magistrates. In fact, I had a guy running for office uh, just call me on the way up here to Virginia, and he said that book changed my life. I know what I got to do. And so he's going to introduce a bill of abolition, brother, in North Carolina, and we're going to help him. So would really encourage people to get this book, brother. Uh, it lays out the short-term strategy and the long-term strategy to no, no longer regulate baby murder, but actually end it uh, once and for all in Jesus' name. Abolish it. Absolutely. And you can find Jesus that. It came to abolish death, brother. <laughs> Covenantbooks.com. I think is it's the website also on there. Amazon too. I think he he showed a a deal. Yeah, that. we're trying. We're yeah. I think we're trying not to uh, promote Amazon so much. So okay. Go here. <laughs> <laughs> so if you can get them at Co Covenant Books, go there. So otherwise, uh, you you can also find a link right at Rusty's website, which is ElijahMen.com. Um, maybe take a look there. There you go, ElijahMen.com. Well, Rusty, it's been great having you. Um, well, sorry it didn't work out with... Uh, with. Uh, well, we wouldn't friend. have had time, would we? <laughs> because there, there's so much, and I, I need to have you back again, and uh, and uh, maybe we'll, we'll do a tag team again with um, 
with either Colonel North or, or um, I've been meaning to call Flip Benham too. I'm not sure what he's been up to. So he's still pressing on, buddy, and ornery as ever. Yeah. Okay. okay. <laughs> All right, folks. Well, God bless you guys. We'll we'll see you next week. God bless you, brother. Mm -hmm.